spot, put it in park, here we go. It's the Free Parking Podcast, presented by Office Jockeys, racing to the weekend. What's going on, everybody? Deaver here alongside my co-host, Bush, for episode 42 of the Free Parking Podcast, the Jackie Robinson episode, the only retired podcast episode number. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, you know, I was thinking who, who's 42, and that's actually an easy 42 right there. Easy 42. The 42. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's Good funny one. he was on here and say Mariano Rivera is also 42, but he, I guess he was probably one of the last players before they league-wide retired, retired his number. True. Very true. Speaking of New York, I want to get right into it. A lot of hockey talk here off the jump, and we're going to work backwards because what I just witnessed before we jumped on the podcast was the NHL draft lottery. Hmm. So if you didn't know, the NHL obviously is doing the bracket system you know they went right into the tournament right right into the playoffs the first set of the first round of hockey was qualifying rounds they called it and this was to give teams a chance that were still fighting to get into the playoffs they were giving them a chance to to win in um so we'll recap a bunch of matchups but teams that lost their qualifying round matchup what i just witnessed was the nhl draft lottery and if you didn't know the nhl draft lottery usually happens every year with the the worst teams in the league getting chances to potentially have the first overall pick. Well, this year, once they got to the first overall pick, as they were announcing the names backwards, you know, they go from 10, 9, 8, 7 of who eventually gets the first overall pick. They stopped at the first overall pick and they said, they said, Gary Bettman said that the first overall pick this year will come from the team that a team that loses the qualifying round of the playoffs. So the last week of hockey we just witnessed, all those teams trying to get into the true playoffs by playing the five-game qualifier series, they all had a 12.5% chance to have the first overall pick or get into the playoffs, which was mind-boggling to begin with that these teams that were good enough also had a chance at the first overall pick. And as the series worked out, teams like the Penguins, Edmonton Oilers, Toronto Maple Leafs, like big-time teams all had a shot, and guess who got it? The New York Rangers. The New York Rangers got it. Uh, There's a couple teams on the Flyers list that, you know, didn't want, we didn't want them to get the first overall. Obviously, the Penguins. We did not, they did not need, neither did the Oilers. The Rangers were that close second. Absolutely. You know, what I found weird, Deez, was uh, it was the, what was it, eight teams that all had a 12.5% chance to, to win that first overall pick, right? So, you know, what was really weird to me was it's these teams who were good enough that, you know, all these teams, if they had won, could have made some type of noise in that next round of the first round of playoffs. So, like you mentioned earlier, none of these teams really needed that first round pick. Correct. Now they all had this equal, really good chance. And, and somebody had a boulder, a boulder of a stone. In the that video, draft lottery. The video I just saw and said to you before this podcast was of a ping pong ball, not the Rangers ping pong ball, but a ping pong ball prior being dropped into the barrel where they were rolling around before the Rangers got picked. The ping pong ball, whoever it was before the Rangers, when it gets dropped in, sounds like what you said, a boulder, like a like a 12-pound bowling ball. Like not, not the bowling ball you use as a kid, but like the one your dad used, like the big one. The yes. Rangers ball gets dropped next and light as a feather. So whoever that heavy bowling ball-sized ping pong ball 
that's not the right word. Bowling ball size. Ping pong, I'm picturing like a ping pong ball. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, it's very dense. It's it was a very, very dense. dense. Yes. Thank you, thank you. And very very dense. Like honestly, not physically human. Like it defied the laws of physics. Yes. How dense the ping pong ball was. And they didn't get picked. That ball didn't get picked, correct? Because it probably didn't roll around as much and stayed at the bottom. Interesting. Hmm. They woke. Interesting. Dude, it, it was obvious. It was obvious that that happened. It was obvious that they did it. They screwed up. They they went about it as if it did. They didn't, they didn't think anybody heard it. We all heard it. Twitter heard it. If Twitter hears it, it's game over. Game over. It was obvious. So regardless, that was the NHL draft lottery. This kid Lafrienne, Lafrienne is his name. He's not like I don't think he's going to be a once in a generational talent like Crosby, like McDavid, like Gretzky. But I mean, he's a pretty damn good player. Played for the world world junior team in Canada, and he's the the number one overall pick. Like, there's no other options. It's this kid. So he's going to be able to jump right into the lineup with the Rangers. I'm pretty sure the kid's like six one, one ninety five. Panarin on the first line, Zabinijad on the first line, and then this kid. Also, the Rangers just had the second overall pick a couple years ago with Capo Caco. Uh, Caco Capo? Capo Caco. So they had, two really, they, have, they had two really good young goaltenders, too. The Rangers could be trouble in the East, in the Metro. Yeah, we've heard that before. We, we, we've heard that before. And, dude, we talked about this the other day. New York, man, they need to be good at sports, and they're not. They're just not. You know, in anything. And that's what a lot of people are talking about with this draft pick is that the you know the Rangers being good is good for hockey. It just rises all ships. Absolutely. So, Deves, I saw a couple of we were digging for videos, right? We just put out that that full house you know m- video that we made. That was funny, dude. That was funny because it's just pure mayhem with just a mixture of a great song. But anyway, what I'm getting at is you found a bunch of videos. And you dug into, and you found your preseason NHL hockey picks. Yes. Now, now you had four teams: two from the West, two from the East. Give us the rundown and give us the breakdown as to who you picked and how that panned out. I kind of even forgot. It was almost like going back into a time capsule when I saw these October second, twenty nineteen. So October of last year, beginning of the season, took a Snapchat video and I broke down that I had in the Western Conference Calgary and Dallas as my two Stanley Cup contenders, and in the East I had Philadelphia and Toronto. So unfortunately, Toronto loses in a five-game series in the qualifier playing. That's a whole other story. Um, a team with loads of talent, tons of first overall draft picks in the past couple of years. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Kapanen. They bring in Tavares. They, have a, you know, they bring in some veterans with Clifford, and they just still can't get it done. And the Blue Jackets wipe away another team in the first round, just like they did the Lightning last year. So anyway, the Flames are looking solid. The stars are looking solid. My picks are in there. And the one pick that usually I just throw in because they're my favorite team. I'm rocking the shirt right now. They actually are still my pick to win the Stanley Cup. I'm in a playoff bracket pool. Uh, there's probably about 200 people in there. Every single round, you pick new teams. And every single uh, the first round, you pick who's going to win the Stanley Cup as well as the, round, the series winners. Philadelphia Flyers. They're still my team. Nate's got, I think, his... his down payment on his car on those guys. <laughs> yes, he does. And as he should, man, that team is lightning hot. And no pun intended with the Tampa Bay Lightning at all. They're the complete opposite right now. Um, we saw the Flyers go into a game against the second or third hottest team in the NHL, or what many thought to be the first hottest team in the NHL in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Flyers steamrolled them, dude. Like they fundy steamrolled them 
into into or you know into the second seed of the of the uh, you know first round of playoffs here. And not just the Lightning, but the Capitals again, and the Boston Bruins, who were the one seed technically coming into the round robin. Like they were the the leader in the clubhouse in the Eastern Conference coming in. So right. the Bruins game after we saw that one, pure domination. Wasn't worried at all about the Capitals, honestly, because we were what four and zero against them this year. We held Ovechkin, I think, zero points, or he probably was. I think he was minus. I have to pull up the stat. He was minus on the card, uh, and we we did it again. Yes, the Flyers held Alex Ovechkin to zero points in all four, five, six games they played against them this season. Not one point. Did Alex Ovechkin score it, whether it be assist, goal, regardless, nothing. That stopping one of the hottest players in the NHL should say something. Past decade of the past decade, I mean, he's the only guy that's that's even approaching Gretzky's goal record. Like he is the epitome of a goal scorer in the NHL, and the Flyers stifled them as well as the entire team. Uh, one big thing that's going to lead the Flyers into later rounds in these playoffs. I said it in the beginning. I said it in a couple of podcasts ago. It's the it's the veteran leadership. It's the core. You know, it's the core group. Victoria Voracek, Jeruz, which you don't hear much of recently because the goals are coming from depth and young depth is is what you know. Another thing that really drives you obviously hot goaltending. They all have to click together. But look at these look, look at these goals. Lawton has three goals. Abi Kubel scored two goals. Our other goals scored in the round robin. Farabee, Pitlick, Sandheim, Nate Thompson, Phil Myers, and Michael Rothel. I didn't hear one of our first two lines in there, other than Lawton, who's on the Konechny Hayes line. Other than those guys, I mean, that's an outstanding. That's outstanding. Let's also add into the fact that one game we were missing JVR, another game we were missing Voracek. One of the games Carter Hart didn't even play in. Dude, the team can maneuver all over the damn place and still find wins. And that's what a championship team is. You listen to probably, you know, one. Every other episode of this podcast, and we're talking about how championship teams have depth and how championship teams are always about the next man up. The 2017 Philadelphia Eagles won that Super Bowl. They were plagued with injuries, but the next man up filled it. This Flyers team is not plagued with injuries. They simply just require a lot of depth in their in their gameplay. And sure enough, Albin Kubel? What? Amazing, right? The one frustrating thing, too, is that I, the other Spock podcast I listened to is Spit and Chicklets, a hockey podcast, and they were giving their updates, and they were talking about the round robin series, and everybody's kind of been acting at that the round robins are throwaways. I'm sorry. I don't know who in the right mind from an NHL team standpoint would want to lose round robin games to face a potentially better opponent in the next round. Like The way it works is the number one seed plays the least seed. Like You know what I mean? I, I don't know how... Teams would want to throw these games away. And even though they're not like competitive, like you're fighting for your life every night, I don't know, man. You got to get geared up for a seven game series in the playoffs. Like you better be playing pretty damn hard. And the cool part, another cool part, is Elaine Mignot, the Flyers head coach, said before the round robin started that he was going to circulate guys in. It wasn't going to be the, you know, the same lineup all three nights, which he didn't. That's where this depth comes in. Pretty sure Abby Kubel didn't play all three games. Brian Elliott comes in and plays gold a second game. You're going to need him to play down the stretch at some point. Give Carter a break. If we have a back-to-back, he's going to have to play. God forbid you know, he tweaks something. Elliott's, he stifled the Capitals as well. So to have that combination, two goalies running, three lines of D. Oh, dude, in my NHL Stanley Cup predictions from October, who did I, see, who did I say needed to come back, be healthy, and be a, be a force? 53. Shane Gossespierre. And what did we see this week? 
That's exactly the Shane Gospier we need. That's the Shane Gospier we've been missing for months, maybe a year or two. If he clicks in the playoffs, I mean, it's game over. It's game over, dude. He's got a he's got an absolute rocket launcher of, it, of a like shot. He moves the puck like an angel. Has a rocket yeah. launcher of a shot. We were we were months ago. We were about to toss him to the wolves, send him to Seattle in the expansion draft, or somebody pick him up for a bag of pucks. The guy's done great for us, but like we didn't need him anymore with the, with the, some of the young D we had. Now he's playing just like he should be playing, and and we have like three solid lines of defense. I mean, you don't have to list them all. If one of those guys goes down, dude. Sanheim, Myers, Gossespierre, Provorov, Niskanen, Braun. And not one of those guys, I'm like, every single guy, I'm like, they'll get the job done. Niskanen, playoff experience, like deep playoff experience. You want a couple of the Capitals, Braun, playoff experience. And then you have all these young guys that just wheel the puck around. Awesome. It's too I'm, good. I'm really sad. They're, play, they're playing the Canadians, so Flyers match up. They're playing the Montreal Canadiens, who upset the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. I have the Flyers winning in five, five games. They've been steamrolling the best teams in the league, so I'm really not nervous about the Canadians. The Penguins had their own issues going on with goaltending. Crosby may have been injured in that series. Yes, Carey Price is scary. Kind of cool to see Carter Hart go up against Carey Price, another star, um, his idol, and another star goaltender. It may be low scoring. I'm not worried. I really think we take the series handedly. The only concern I have in this series against the Canadians is the spectacle and the idea that it's the Canadians versus the Flyers and the history that is involved with these two teams when they play. However, I just believe that one, our team is so young to even consider that into their gameplay. Jerome might have a little bit of a flashback on that one, but I think that our team is so young and so good that regardless of what people are thinking about the Canadians versus the Flyers, it's still going to be a Philadelphia series. By the way, I finished out my bracket today, Deves, and let's just say, let's just say that it's crazy, but a long-time rivalry in the NFL we could be seeing in the Stanley Cup finals. Interesting. I'm trying to figure who that might be. An NFL rival. We got to go east and west here. I'm picturing my bracket. I'm honestly stuck. I have no idea. Dallas Philly. Oh God, Dallas Philly. Why did I zoom out on that? I'm looking like half the teams don't even have NFL teams, so you're down to half, right? Vancouver, <laughs> Columbus, like you're down to half of the teams. For some reason, I was stuck on Chicago, and I was like trying to find a Green Bay team. I, I, don't, I don't know what. It just totally threw me for a loop there. Uh, Dallas Philly. Dallas Philly with Philly coming out on top was my final decision for this one because not only did you pick the Stars, but I watched the Stars play the Blues the other night. And they're a resilient team. They come back late. They come back when they need to come back. I don't know much about the Dallas Stars, but I do know what I saw yesterday. And what I saw yesterday was a solid hockey team that I think can make some noise in those playoffs. Um, I have the Flyers beating Boston to get to the Stanley Cup. And I have the Stars beating the Vegas Golden Knights to get to the Stanley Cup. And I think that semifinal series yeah. is going to be in some of the best hockey we've seen in a couple like of years. I like the a lot. So I didn't finish my bracket yet. I got to finish it tonight. You're going to be listening to this podcast after it closes. But if you did put in a bracket, we're hosting a bracket challenge with our partners at Office Jockeys. Uh, there should be about, I don't know, 25, 30 names in there by the time we're all said and done. I checked uh, you know, a couple hours after we announced it. We already had 10 in there. So we're going to have all the boys sign up tonight, see who wins. Uh, we're giving out a free free parking t-shirt. And Office Jockeys is throwing in a sick 
OFJ tank top. Pretty sure, Bush, you have that one, don't you? I do. The Miami Vice. It's a fire yeah. tank top. Fire. All right, last NHL talks. Uh, Tampa, I think they're in trouble in the second round. They're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you didn't know, Tampa won the President's Trophy last year, most points in the entire league. They got swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets, the lowly Blue Jackets. Um, Echo, I think, is a huge Jackets fan, huge Blue Jackets fan with those blue eyes. Yes, he is. Big, uh, maybe not. He said Flyers. He got out. He's a he got Flyers out? guy. So Blue Jackets might be trouble. I picked them in seven games to actually beat the Lightning. Lightning have Stamkos and Victor Hedman down right now. Um, another scary team out west, dude. Arizona. Hmm. Hmm. Arizona is like not to be like the Wiley Coyotes. Like it's a Wiley team. Like Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall, their goalies playing pretty well right now. Um, Darcy Kemper, I think is his name. And they're wearing the Kachina jerseys, dude. They're wearing the retro 90s Kachina jerseys. Like you got a shot. You look hot on the ice, dude. They're, 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 they're amazing uniforms. So, some one of the best all time. So when you got that sweater on, tough to beat. Absolutely. Agreed. All right. Enough hockey talk. I could talk about it all night. We'll bore you guys. Moving on to the NCAA. Big news coming out this weekend. Big news coming out today. The NCAA is trying to figure out what they're going to do with their seasons. Weeks ago, all the conferences kind of came out with a certain schedule, whether that be in, in conference, shortened season, starting later. Um, most recently, UConn and Old Dominion dropped out. They're not going to be playing football this year. They, they opted out. I know, darn. Really going to miss UConn football. I'm pretty sure they're like five for 50 in the past couple of years. Um, but yesterday, the MAC conference, the entire conference suspends their season, cancels their season, which led to the Power Five conferences having an emergency conference call last night Sunday night, sorry, or recording a Sunday night to talk about what they're going to do with their season. Today was a media shitstorm. I don't know if you were following it all. I knew you were tied down at work, but I was seeing stuff. I have uh, ESPN going on in the office. First off, Pac-12 potentially canceling tomorrow by the time this podcast comes. Pac-12 canceling tomorrow. Big 12 canceling tomorrow. Big 10 says they might. Michigan and Ohio State say, no, we want to play. Trevor Lawrence comes out with a tweet. He says we want to play. Donald Trump quote tweets Trevor Lawrence and says they should play. There's like this mash of people that say we're playing, mash of people say we're not playing, and the SEC is like the big dog in the entire thing. Like the, I don't know, I picture them like a, the captain of the ship. They're not going down. They're not going down. They're, they are going to stay on that ship as long as it sinks. SEC wants to play regardless. So it's going to be interesting how it all pans out. The big problem, man, is, is just the liability to the schools. Like, it, the, the kids just want a chance. They want an option, right? If they, if they want to opt out, they can. If they want to play, they can. They want a shot. But the schools, I don't think you can even give them a shot just because of the ramifications if, you know, everybody gets sick and potentially people get hurt. You think the SEC now, total hypothetical here, you think the SEC is doing this because they want to pull talent into their conference? Or do you think they're truly doing it because they love football? That's a great question. My rebuttal, which might come out as a question, which conference really has the dough to do something like this, to keep playing, to keep testing, to possibly put their players in a bubble, to possibly, you know, the SEC, dude, they make bank. Big 10, too. Big 10, too. Don't get me wrong, but look, look at the geographical lines, right? SEC place in the South, see a lot of Southern states opening up, people not caring as much about the COVID. Michigan, big problems. 
Ohio had big problems. Um, Pennsylvania, close to Jersey. Rutgers is in Jersey, right? Rutgers isn't playing this year, right? So that, I think the geographical lines come in, not the money. Um, SEC is the powerhouse of, powerhouse of college football. So to, your, to a point, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to get talent. They're going to get talent from some other teams, kids entering the transfer portal. I don't think they're doing it out of spite or out of trying to get they, – they have kids already. They already have teams and rosters scheduled. So I don't think they're trying to, but they're, they're going to. It's almost like we'll stay open because we love football. And, you know, we'll take the top-tier talent that wants to transfer too. We're not going to say no to that. And we'll take the check from CBS Sports and ESPN every time we're on. Yeah. Yeah, I personally, Dees, I believe that the SEC is staying alive because they want to pull more hot, hot talent. I really do believe that. Um, all these other leagues, there's money to be made, especially, like I said, with the Big Ten. Yes, you you had a good rebuttal. You said Jersey's not playing. You know, there's a bunch of teams that aren't playing. However, the SEC, man, it's that hard-headedness that you know gets a lot of people in trouble a lot of times and i could see a lot of top talent going to the sec after transferring with this heavy hope that the leap that the season's going to happen and then they just get shut down and the sec's like we got you we got the top talent for next year we're ready to go like i can see it uh, happening i think i think a lot of the guys that will transfer though i i don't know i i don't know i don't know the rules behind it it's gonna be interesting but like i said the sec they already have teams like bama has a full team that they were gonna ride with this year so to you know kick out a kid that they already have a full scholarship committed to for that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how that's going to, how it's going to all pan out. Here's the other thing too. When you transfer, you got to sit out a year before you play again. Now, what's the deal with that? COVID-19 2020, are you transferring? You're good to go. Or you still got to sit out that year anyway. No idea. So there's, no it's, it's so I mean, great. Even if they transferred tomorrow, they still have to sit out for 14 days. Like they're missing training camp and they're missing, maybe missing the first game. Like who knows what it's, it's, College football, I think they're behind the eight ball. I think it's they let it go too long without a, a true decision, and they're scrambling. Um, obviously, as you know, having emergency press conferences, and some leagues are already saying they're canceling, some leagues not. Um, we'll see. Time will tell. Segway. Do you know where the guys could play if the NCAA does cancel their season? The XFL. Did we? Talk, did we yes. Talk on the podcast already, or no? We have not, but I did see what you put out the other day, and I was very intrigued by that. So the other day, my guy, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, purchases the XFL, the XFL, for $15 million. Granted, there are beach houses on the Jersey Shore that are worth quadruple that. like Single-player contracts worth more than that. <laughs> $15 million? Not saying that, like... Us, you and your friends can put together a couple bucks and buy the XFL, but for Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who makes I don't know hundreds of millions, of, I don't know a lot of money, a movie. He, he, he Bush is wearing the Under Armour apparel. I got it. Um, let's go with WWE, his own marketing company, actor. I don't know Need for Speed. Oh, it's Fast and Furious, Ballers. Ever heard of it? I mean, fifteen million dollars. This guy is pennies. It's pennies. So we're not really sure what the Rock is going to do with the XFL. You know, he hasn't announced plans to launch it, change teams, change the format. But I saw a tweet from Pro Football Talk on Twitter the other day that came out with an excellent idea to, one, combat what's happening in the college ranks, two, protect the players, and three, get the XFL back on track. Pro Football Talk said that the XFL should launch in spring 21, come back immediately next year, create a bubble environment, 
solely on TV and players that seasons were canceled or cut short in college football can sign up, get paid, play safe, and you know increase their chances of getting drafted higher in the draft or getting drafted at all. Seems like a too crazy, perfect idea to work. It's almost, Deves, it almost reminds me of the Senior Bowl where it takes all the top seniors and kind of lets them have one last hoorah where they can get viewed again. Yeah. However, this, is, this, is, this would be like a Senior Bowl. However, it's way more intense and way yeah. more serious. And yeah. they actually have this team on their back or on the front of their jersey that they're playing for um with smaller contracts that are actually legit contracts and, and they're playing for a purpose like they're not right. in the senior bowl like they're you know they got to put up a couple numbers for the draft boards but really these guys are playing a full season for a purpose that would be sick it would be really cool i would so, love to see that well guys i mean that would be awesome you'd be getting top tier talent especially if the nfl has some issues too um you know in the beginning of the season like you can see a lot of top-tier talent go if, if the XFL is able to create a bubble environment where the NFL is having, a, you know, they're probably having trouble doing that with 30, you know, 30-something teams. They have right. eight. Whereas the XFL has eight teams. Eight. And, and no one came anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I could see the XFL Divs really utilizing a model of some of these other leagues, such as the PLL, where it's it could be tour-based with the XFL. It could be one location-based with the yeah. XFL. They need to take it into another, into another direction. Utilizing MetLife Stadium for the New York Guardians and only filling up a quarter of the lower bowl for a game, it's not, it doesn't make sense. Perfect point. I was talking actually with a coworker today about this. He, he also said, first off, he said, play in different stadiums. you got to play in smaller stadiums. The soccer stadiums work great. The college stadiums that are a little smaller work great. The NFL ones don't. They play down here. I went to the one at Raymond James, the Vipers, and you went to Guardians and MetLife. They don't work. You fill up with you know, 10,000, 20,000 people. It's barely the first bowl. Play in smaller stadiums, and the XFL owns all of the teams, right? The league owns the teams, like kind of like the PLL, right? Sounds familiar, yep. One thing the XFL could do is possibly sell off the teams as franchises to individual owners. If the league was bought for $15 million, he could probably easily piece off the teams individually to ownership groups for $2 million. Who wouldn't scoop up a pro football team for $2 million? I'd take out a loan if I could. Now, they're probably, they're probably even worth more. He could make his money back and then some while still retaining ownership of the league. Yes, agreed. Now, let's look at the D.C. Defenders. They utilized Audi Stadium, Audi whatever, or Audi Arena, whatever it is. It's the MLS Stadium down in Washington, D.C. That was lit. Deves, they filled that soccer stadium up because, one, not only was Washington in need of good football, the Defenders were a solid team, and they filled up that arena. Not only is New York in need of good football, not only is Tampa in need of good football, all these cities they chose – was St. Louis was dying for a football team after they lost the Rams. They strategically did this, and it was very intelligent to do what they did with where they put the teams in cities that really needed some good football. However, let's use Red Bull Arena instead of MetLife. Yeah. Let's let's use how there's, St. Louis... What's that? Out here, the Rowdies. The Rowdies are a soccer team down right. here. Use the ten fifteen thousand dollar or ten fifteen thousand seat stadiums, not the seventy five thousand seat stadiums in your year one that you're releasing, right. and you could probably see some success and more revenue because you're not having to pay for such a bigger place. We're getting heated over basically the old ownership, Vince McMahon, the WWE, who ruined it once. We should have known it was going to fold again. 
now we have some hands, you know, the Midas touch, really, with the XFL. The Midas touch with Dwayne Johnson. He has a group behind him, a couple other partners. I, I think they have what it takes to make this league a success. Or they hold on to it, chill for a little bit, and maybe we see something in a couple of years. But if they wanted to, this might be a good time to jump in with that bubble model. He's rocked. He has his own marketing company. He's got his own clothing line with Under Armour. I mean, I think we have the business guy behind it to make it happen. Um, let's just see how the coronavirus shakes out and when they kind of want to kick things off. So, busy dude. That's a busy man. That is quite the busy man. Speaking of busy men, I'd love to bring in Bundy to talk about some baseball. We had some fisticuffs this weekend in Oakland. And he'll probably have the best breakdown of what the hell happened against the Astros. All right, so funny, we're going to hop right into it. Thanks you for joining us. Actually, more so thanks to Nate and ThinkCap who are running their Monday Night Marble stream for joining us here on the free parking podcast, as you say. So, set the scene. We're in Oakland. The Astros have getting, it looked like they were out of their sorts all series. Altuve, a couple of errors, strikeouts, et cetera, et cetera. What happens this weekend? Listen, <clears throat> the Astros got absolutely bushwhacked, no gaming this weekend by the Oakland Athletics. So, you know, they want to start a little drama, I guess, because the A's had just been whooping them. There was a bench coach on the Astros that yelled something to Ramon Laureano, who's the center fielder on the A's. I believe it was Alex Cintron, who used to be a – he used to be – I forget what team he was on. Maybe the White Sox. He's he, Whatever. He was a former player. He yelled something about Ramon Laureano's mother. 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 Which is like a, apparently a huge no-no. First off, in any culture, but apparently it's a huge no-no in the Spanish culture. Or the, you know, yeah, that's, that's not good. So that's what led Laureano to running into the dugout to take out the hitting coach. The weakest move maybe of all time is the hitting coach engaging in the fight, calling out his mother, stepping towards him to engage in the fight. As Laronado ran from first base, three Astros made a wall in front of the hitting coach, and the hitting coach never sniffed the dog pile, never sniffed the fight. Laronado gets headlocked, chokeslammed before the fight even happens. Crazy. And he's going to be booted for a while, like maybe like half the season, because you know, ten games and you're pretty much out half the season. I mean, that was that was yeah. honestly we haven't seen like we've seen bench clearing brawls, but that one reminded me it wasn't towards the mound, but that was like a Nolan Ryan. It was anniversary a couple a couple days ago. That was like the Nolan yeah, that was something, right? Um, it was just nuts though, like the way that that he ran in there, and it was literally like uh, it looked like a movie. I didn't know it what looked, literally like, he ran it. in there like he was like a Spartan. I thought yeah. he was like a Spartan. I mean, the original game footage. I don't think I've ever seen a a runner on first base sprint to no. the team's dugout. I don't think it ever happens. Usually, pitcher catcher, you know, pitcher catcher hitter, hitter catcher. Hit, uh, right, crazy. I, it was it was mind blowing. I was like, is this hap- Oh, that's happening. It was just something. I was watching the breakdown from uh, if you guys don't see John Bo- John Boy. Is that you said John Boy? Yeah, so no free ads though. No, no free ads, but he makes fantastic baseball breakdown videos of like smack talk or coaches getting thrown out. And this one of the athletics breakdown, he told us that apparently the pitcher, last name Bailey and Laronado got traded last year in a one-for-one swap or before this season, I apologize, before the season, the athletics traded for Laronado and they sent to the Astros Bailey. Well, 
one of the athletics um, broadcasters, writers, whoever it was, he came out saying in a video that the athletics stole Laronado from the Astros and that's fine. Those cheaters should have given him away anyway. As in, they traded Bailey over for nothing. Like, Bailey was worthless. They got Laronado for good. And uh, Bailey ends up liking the tweet. So he saw it. He knows. Mm-hmm. That's on the bulletin board. So he already hates the athletics organization. They counted yep. him as nothing. And now they're smoking the Astros in the series. Bailey not only plugs Laronado once in the, se- in the game, but twice in the game. And yep. Laronado got hit two games before that. So this is the third time Laronado has been plunked. And the funniest part of that John Boy video is Laronado, he, he's not even fired up on his way to first base. Like, obviously, yeah. the umpire came out, but he's like, he's talking smack. He says to Bailey, you got to snap your slider. You got you to snap it. He's not like telling him, like, come, come fight me. Let's, let's you know, I'm going to, I want to punch you. He's just yeah. bullshitting with Bailey saying, saying you, you suck. Stink. You stink. Your slider's <laughs> wild. You're missing and it's hitting me. And that's why I'm pissed off. Not yeah. until Laronado gets to first base and Macho Man hitting coach has to come on and say some words about his mod, you know, his mom. That's when we got issue. Yo, the hitting Man. coach was kind of a beast. The hitting coach was kind of a beast. Hey, he was a tank. Loser. And you know what's BS? Just have an Astros hat. <laughs> the hitting coach. What's BS is the hitting coach was behind the whole plot too. Like he was in it with Bregman, Altuve, all those guys. The hitting coach shouldn't be behind the bench. He shouldn't even be in the dugout if if Manfred could do his job. So, I saw an amazing tweet. They said that uh, the Astros would have hit Laronado pretty hard if he looked like a trash can. Yeah, it would have drilled them. Unbelievable. Another no free app. There's an account on Twitter called the Houston Asterix, and basically it just is plotting against the demise of the Astros. Fire. And every single time, Fire. They're amazing. They're amazing. Every single time something bad happens to the Astros, whether it's an error, strikeout, Strikeout looking like they're, they're, they're playing. I think Altuve is batting like 145, 160, maybe. Combined 167 between those Bad. three guys that were amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And so whenever he strikes out, these guys blast it out. This Houston Asterisk Asterisk account is creating a Mount Rushmore, a Mount Rushmore of Astros haters. So right now it is Joe Kelly and Larnada yep. are the two on the Mount Rushmore. We got two more. Two more to be poised, but uh, we'll see. They're, they're not done. They're not out of the woods yet at all. They're going to get hit again or fought again or hated on again. And they're lucky they're not playing the Yankees uh, in the regular season. I would put money that Garrett Cole would drill someone on that team. You think that he had bad beef with Oh, them? yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not even beef just because he's a Yankee now. I don't know. I just feel like he'd be like, yeah, like. Baseball purist. Oh, he's in the baseball purist. Garrett Cole would throw at the Astros. Didn't he get caught with pine tar on his hat a couple yeah, of Yeah, whatever, dude. Every pitcher oh, baseball, ever uses uh, it. The baseball purist, Garrett Cole, so innocent. He hates the Astros. Dude, go put on Philly Sports Network. You'll see Aaron Nola throwing with pine tar on his hat. Yeah, Shut up. He's going to have a complete <laughs> game with that. No, he has a pine tar on his hat. It's illegal. Every, every pitcher in baseball uses pine tar when they pitch. Every pitcher. You're telling me every pitcher. You, I would, you, you, I would you, put any amount of dollars, cents, and Fundy Friday future merch that <laughs> almost 90% of pitchers in the league use pine tar. There's no way they don't. 
Well, guess what? 99% of them hide it a hell of a lot better than Garrett Cole does because it looks like he just spit an entire lip out on the front of his Yankee hat. <laughs> Dude, tough That's camera work. All right, you're it's supposed to be like Yankee's home that stadium. On the hat. Like a piece of gum on the subway. Your shoe's <laughs> like, literally, he well, well, You're a safe beats guy. All right, you're not, you're like, come on. My AL East boys, I got to support, dude. They're playing well. They're playing well. They suck. They're playing well. <laughs> they got to use more pine tar, I guess. They got to they gotta take a turd on their hat and get a little sticky on there. <laughs> I can't wait until somebody on the Phillies gets called with it this year. So what are they going to do? Is anything going to happen to Cole? Nothing. No, nothing, dude. Because, the listen, this is how you know that every team uses it. Because the Rays weren't even going to report it. They just picked it up on live TV. Right, right. Because well, everyone just don't come in. Just don't come in the podcast saying that Garrett Cole is going to hit Astros players when he's out there rocking pine tar. Like <laughs> he's going to hit Astros players. I guess when he stops using pine tar, it's hard to You're going to equate what the Astros did to Garrett Cole with a little bit of sticky stuff on his hat. Then you yeah. need to go play in yeah. sand I'm, somewhere. I'm, and I'm, I'm <laughs> you. I'm not. it's not okay. No, really, I, I'm just trying to find reasons to hate on the Yankees. They're the best team in baseball. If we had a 162-game season, they'd, what, they'd break 110? 30, at least. Uh, wow. Air injuries, no. The Dodgers are the best team in the league. You think so? Yeah, we've heard that before, Fundy. We've heard reverse, that before, Fundy. Trying to get the reverse juju. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay, fair enough. Fair reverse enough. Jigs. What's that good karma? Reverse jigs. Well, I know good. we need- we need some kind of jinx. We need a whole like witch hex on the Phillies because, um, of course, the one night the bats come alive is the one night that our pitching's alive. And Aaron Ola is currently throwing. Is he he's still in? He was he was throwing a complete game possibly. My fantasy team prays that he's still in. So yeah, I think he's targeting a complete game, and the Phillies have thirteen runs. It's thirteen to one right now. Yeah, think so. Hit his season. The kid's still not extended. Um, and yeah, the one time that we don't need to score 13 runs, we score 13 runs. So that's that's kind of the feeling. He's through eight, so he's gonna go out there for a complete gamer here. Yeah, so you'll get some extra pointers there on your uh, fantasy league. Yeah, sorry, different sport. Monty, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming in tonight, man. Appreciate you chiming out of marbles there. Speaking of different hey, sports. I had one more for funny because I saw the beef on Twitter. I need to get the direction. Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like. Funny loves the, the Twitter quarrels. You got Dollar Dame, Damian Lillard, and Paul George going at it. Now, this dates back to Damian Lillard popping a fifty like a a three pointer from the mid, you know, half court line in Paul George's face. Yep. What? Boot them out of the playoffs? Oh yeah. And now their girlfriends are involved. Funny, what's going on? Listen, it's uh interesting situation we got here. The whole beef being Damian Lillard, Paul George, and Pat Bev, uh, it's it's something it's something that shouldn't be happening. I mean, Pat Beverly, uh, guy, you're not even playing. And then he was waving by to Damian Lillard when he missed the free throws. It's just, I it, it's tough to wrap my head around because I honestly really like all three players involved. Damian Lillard's probably my favorite basketball player. I honestly, I don't know why this is going on. It's stupid. It's petty. I hope the Blazers. I, I love the Blazers. The. The girlfriends came into the picture. I love the Blazers, too, honestly. The Blazers, uh, when sports betting, the year of sports betting was first legalized in New Jersey, or was it last year? Whatever it is, no, the Blazers we were, were in college. The- we were in college because yeah. I remember doing it my senior year of baseball. The Blazers were fantastic with the lines. They were always like plus 125, plus 200 all the time. And Dalladay and um, CJ McCollum are f***ing assassins. 
Anyway, uh, Paul George comments on somebody's picture. Is that what happened as well? Paul George comments on somebody's picture and says, like, bye-bye. A girlfriend gets into it. I don't know. Somebody's sister's involved. Like, we're, it's like a Game of Thrones story now between these. It's two it's, it's strange. And like you I said. I say, Damian like Lillard in those free throws. Oh, yeah. No, that was, it, it's stupid. It, it's an old piece for no reason. And yeah. I hope they play in the playoffs. I really do. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we need it. Yeah. It might get physical. I'll tell you, listen, I <clears throat> the Lakers are the best team maybe in the league, but if the Blazers are that eight seed, I'm telling you they're going to give them a series. They'll probably sweep the Grizzlies if they play the Grizzlies, but if they play the Trailblazers, I totally the way Melo's playing right now, dude, they might go the distance. They might go six. They, I think they would go six at least. I think the NBA is wide open this year. It's crazy. Dude, the Rockets are playing out of their minds, too. And uh, who put up a 50-burger on the Sixers last night? Was that – was that who did the Sixers play last night? Not good. It was a 50-burger. Uh, Blazers? They, he had it 51. Was, it was Dillard. It, it was Lillard, right? Dollar. Yeah. D- Dillard, yeah. Yeah. 51. <laughs> Wayman Dillard. <laughs> Wayman Dillard. As Ben Simmons is out for the foreseeable future, uh, and B left the court the other night, and um, so frustrating. They're the most. They might be the most frustrating of all the teams I like. Honestly, how like it's a what sin. is going on in Philly? They need. It's crazy because you know, obviously they went through what they went through. Trust the process. The whole build up. Teams here now, and it looks like, like they have to blow it up guys. again. They have to blow it up again. Horford's got to go. I haven't liked Tobias Harris since the beginning. Honestly, I can't tell you I've watched much of these games, uh, the the non-playoff games so far. But Tobias Harris I think, has always been a miss. I don't know. I don't know. Signed Horford. They should have just paid Butler and kept the team together. Yep. Yep. And got yeah, a new head coach. And got a new head coach. Yeah, Which, but Coach Steve still coaching softball, so he's not coaching the Sixers, though. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I think maybe after the season we will see. Uh, I'll have negotiations from both teams, and we can maybe figure it out. No, actually, to change sports again, I think it's really similar to the Flyers recently in their Dave Hacksaw situation. Flyers fired their head coach, what, last year? Yeah, Elaine Vigneault came in for his first year this year. Pretty much same core guys, same guys top to bottom of the lineup. Just a bad system for those guys. Like, I'm not saying Dave Hacksaw is a bad coach, but he didn't either motivate the guys or have the right systems in place or play the right guys at the right times. And now we have a coach that, Elaine Mignot from the Rangers, the boys are gelling. The team's having fun. He's putting guys in the lineup at different times that are excelling. He's changing the lineups where Scott Lawton's down on the second line scoring goals. Like Equate that to basketball. The Sixers need to find that guy, and Brett Brown's not that guy. You can't no. excel in any league with a head coach that you tank with. You just can't do it. The sure. head coach, that head coach suffered through the dog days of the Philadelphia 76ers, and now he's trying to exceed through the glory days, and he just can't do it. And, and name another head coach who has, honestly. Ryan Deaver might be there. <laughs> <laughs> he could. He's gassing me up, dude. Funny, that's all we have for you. You got anything else? That, that lasting thoughts? Listen, you- I do want to bring up, listen, listen, your flyers – now, people were counting them out. I'm not going to – I got to bring this up. Got to bring this up. I'm a closet hockey guy, all right? I don't watch enough like I should, but yeah. I follow it because I'm a sports nut, okay? 
these playoffs have been a unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. My, I just look at look at my nails. Look at those. They're gone. Bit, gone. gone. What nails? How's your dress? What nails? Is it gone too? We're not going there right now. Yes, okay. I'm complimenting the flyers here. All right, and as Deaver hits the ground, dude, that was bad. <laughs> Listen, this the this Flyers team. I saw I saw something. What was it? Something you retweeted today about where everybody had the Flyers like uh, round robin rankings, and they were third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught that one this morning, and and then you. I think he was this emoji right here. Leaping. I'm telling you. They're they're scary. What and, is going on? And Bush and I keep saying it, dude. No attention needed. Like no attention. Like please let us fly as they're low. Getting, as they're gonna possible. get it now. I don't want any of it. And they they still aren't, dude. They're still. I, I talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. We're bringing it up because you're back on. They're still getting hate. They went three and zero against the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, and they're not getting hate. But they're saying that the other teams failed to beat them. Like no, no, no. They scored four three and four goals, or three three and four goals. And let up one yeah. goal in each of those games. Don't tell me the other teams are asleep because it's it's a dude, it's a. And, and hockey playoffs. Everybody knows this. The team that wins is the team that's hottest. Always, it's yep. not always the best. It's who was ever hot. Can you get hotter than beating the top three? No, and it's not just the top three What's, in the East. It's the top damn? three in the damn league. In the, it's the league. top three in the damn league. And what did Keith Jones, our former guest, Keith Jones, our former guest, the other night? He said that the Flyers. Surgically, they did not beat the other teams. They surgically went in and defeated all three of those teams. They cut and sliced and diced like a chopping block ham hock party. <laughs> Go Flyers! Go Flyers, baby! Funny, we're closing out the podcast. Thanks. All right, hey, thanks for coming on, brother. Hey, always a pleasure, and Go I'll back. be back. You got some time for marbles? Oh, I gotta go back to marbles. <laughs> <laughs> Godspeed, funny. Thanks for coming on, bro. Later. Later, boys. All right, well, that was a pretty action-packed podcast. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. We, we missed a slow week. It was a slow week. I was in Jersey, right? So we had the bye weeks. Now mm-hmm. sports are back. We'll be doing, you know, probably weekly podcasts for you now. I'm at, my, you know, the FEP Florida office here at the FEP Jersey office. We're pretty much set up, ready to rock and roll. So probably back on the weekly schedule. Um, yeah, we got the, the faucet turned on us pretty quick there. Yeah, no doubt. That was definitely a fire-packed podcast. There's a lot to discuss. Bringing Fundy on, as always, is very good to hear his insider uh, reports there. Yeah. So, Deeps, episode 42, Jackie Robinson episode in the books. That's a wrap. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah.